this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host with uh, really the most amazing predictions, as always, Brandon, joined by my co-hosts without predictions, Nick and Dan, and gentlemen. Gets one prediction right. It's going to be a long decides, episode for you guys. Besides, he's just a fortune teller now. It's incredible. I, I, did, I also called Pulisic and Havertz, which I felt like was a pretty bold prediction. Was it? We just played three days ago. What are you talking about, bold prediction? Look, I'm just upset. I only have two likes so far on my tweet. Can you guys go in there and tap on <laughs> One that? One of them's from me. That's that's the real <laughs> issue here. It, it's about the clout related yeah. to getting it right, yeah. not necessarily actually getting the prediction right. I mean, they're they're one and the same, Dan, which I appreciate. Uh, and, and the prediction was against RB Salzburg. Uh, that's right. The fifth Champions League group stage match uh, out of six. Uh, so we're coming up on the end here. We had a nice big 2-1 road win. So we're going to be breaking that down tonight, uh, looking at the midfielders having themselves a moment in Austria. Uh, redemption for a few, question mark, and then patience with Potter rewarded. Are we are we really providing him a lot of patience? It's been how many weeks, Dan? Yeah, Dan. Well, I think our patience amongst this group, you know, we have been rewarded for having patience with Potter. <laughs> the players have been rewarded for having patience with Potter. I don't know. All right. I just, I, I hope that like he's not already walking the plank, but we'll find out with the three word match reviews because people do not hold back. They always give us unfiltered emotional responses. Uh, had to been on cloud nine, weren't they, Dan? Well, look, Rob, friend of the pod with Fortress Salzburg flattened. You had Mr. Thurman with the Kova Kai dojo, Tana with the Everyone's a Wingback. Nailed it. TG Soccer with Havertz Your Way. Also nailed that it. That one was good. Byron <laughs> with the Nod to Brandon's pronunciation of Salzburg with Salt Castle breached. Was I getting trolled for something? You uh, Salzburg. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you struggled with that one <laughs> on on the old weekend there. Uh, Nicholas with the Golichik and Pool Assist. A Golichik. I don't know how you Golichich. We're Golichich. We're stretching it, Nicholas. COVID, COVID with. Trev, don't lose. Love That's that right. one. Correct. Doing it. Sergeant Soy Sauce with why not 16? Question mark. Jamie with the Kova and out. And then Snacks with the Bangers Beat Bulls. I am happy with those. Uh, great results as always. I went with to the top because we are now leaders of Group E, which... About a month ago, we weren't so sure about that. So quite excited we got it turned around. Uh, Nick, what about you? Strikes Sink Salzburg. A little alliteration from Nicholas Verlaine. Come on. Daniel? <laughs> Potter's Sweet 16. Oh, boy. Round of 16, A little Dickie voice? Or? No. Is, is it like NCAA Tournament Sweet 16? Or is it like My my Sweet 16 with like the ponies? <laughs> oh, I was thinking about like MTV is like Super Sweet 16 type oh of thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just quinceanera, <laughs> except that's 15. Yeah, All that's, right. uh, that doesn't work out for you there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, no mm. shout outs because no Patreoners, no Apple Podcasters, and Spotify. The march still continues. Uh, so we'll go ahead and sprint on to the match details. It was RB Salzburg in the UEFA Champions League this past Tuesday, the 25th of October. Uh, in case you missed it, it was at the Stadion Salzburg, and it was one to the bad guys and two to the blue guys. Goals coming from Kovacic in the 23rd, 
Adamu in the 49th, which was quite predictable, and Havertz in the 64th. Uh, no fist and highlights because it is, well, it's the Champions League, and not even they will share their rights with the participants of the competition. So, Dan, we kick it to you, my man's lineup, which was another puzzle, another pretzel the, twister. Look, the first one between the sticks, nobody guessed it except Brandon Busby. It was Kepa Riza Blanca <laughs> between them. Trev Chalaba, Thiago Silva, and Kukurea as your back three. It was Pulisic and Sterling as your quote, wingbacks, unquote. It was Kovacic, Jorginho, and Gallagher as your midfield combination, and then Aubameyang and Havertz up top. Substitutes we used included Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Armando Broya, Mason Mount, Ziyech, and Azpilicueta. Ziyech, getting a little appearance. Didn't, I know, didn't, out of nowhere. Didn't see That's that the one in. that maybe you wouldn't have been able to guess. Yeah. Well, I'm not unlocked the subs prediction level yet. So, no, we're sticking to the, the basics. Uh, some Look, of the I, stats, I just appreciate you keeping yourself grounded there. Yeah. I mean, again, don't feel the need to do that. Some of the high-level stats, Chelsea with uh, 15 shots, 11 on target. If that's not efficiency, I don't know what is. Salzburg, though, did have 16 of their own shots, albeit only seven on target, which is actually still a pretty good day out <laughs> normally. Um, we had, uh, where's possession? 71% possession on the road with an 83% pass accuracy. I can't believe this. Salzburg only had 50% pass accuracy. At this level, th- that's that's horrendous. That's it's not going to get it done, unfortunately. No. no. Uh, 11 fouls to their 18, two yellow cards to their one, uh, and then two corners to their nine. Uh, I think about five of them coming the last four minutes of the match, a bit nervy, uh, but we got it done. And then uh, from the analyst at Opta, the XG was Chelsea with a 1.3 and Salzburg with a 1.3. But we won. Winner, winner. Bangers don't have a high XG, Nick. You look confused. That's why. Havertz was probably like a 0.04 and he buried it. Yep. That passed the eye test, though, so. I think we're all good on that one. So, um, I one random stat also from the analyst says that RB Salzburg won Chelsea two since Grand Potter arrived as manager of Chelsea. They've been unbeaten in nine games, won six, drawn three, lost none, and conceded just four goals. Uh, that Dan, can, can we get a can we get a ruling? Is that good? I'm gonna give the definitive ruling right now on that run of games, those nine games for Grand Potter. That's a good run, that's a damn good run. All right. I think um, it's about as good as it could be, especially with the learning curve, the breaks that we've had, yada, yada. Uh, but we're back with an MPET shithouse moment of the match. Is it moment or moments? It's, moment? I'm cheating a little bit, my own uh, moment of the match. But the entire last 20 minutes was <laughs> was an adventure in shithousery from Chelsea Football Club. Um, you know, clearly this team playing uh, a, a little banged up, uh, a little tired. Uh, and I think the entire last 20 minutes, I should say, uh, Jorginho, uh, masterclass in shithousery. Keppa, unbelievable shithousery. Uh, I would go as far as Broya, unbelievable, kind of leading the charge up front to press. And then Aspie doing some just tasty work in the last couple of minutes to, to secure the dub. So all of those folks, uh, you win an illustrious and pet shithouse moment of the match. Well done. It was good to see some of that European experience knowing you got to do everything you can to kill off oh, a match. Those, those whistles were loud, too. Oof, they were. <laughs> that crowd was not pleased with the uh, shithousery. 
quite understandable. So anyways, we're going to get our ad break out of the way. When we're back, we're going to be jumping into midfielders having themselves a moment. Thank you to the sponsors for Financially Sporting Show. We'll be right back. Uh, all right, coming out of the break, uh, we are still reminding everybody that Blue Royalty has their own feed, Nick. It's like TikTok. A lot of great content over there. You should go follow us, subscribe, do the same thing for this podcast. Yeah, like we, we know there are a lot of you that follow us on the main feed, uh, and we know a lot of you haven't quite made the, the leap over yet to, to the new feed. This is your moment. I'm not calling you out. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying if you... If you haven't done that, if, if you recognize this, uh, this commentary as being towards you, then perhaps uh, use your old fingers, do the tip taps, go over, hit Blue Royalty, follow it, leave a five-star review. It, it tremendously helps us out. Like We want to get that, that feed rolling. We have a lot of great content going over there. Uh, Jesse has a, a Word doc of plans uh, that will uh, blow your brain out. It's really awesome stuff. So uh, another Champions League match for the women tomorrow. So there you go. What better reason? Yeah, it's like we're European powerhouse or something. Minus Weird. the youth team they got run out of Austria. Let's not talk about that one. There's too much excitement today. Yeah, we're going to keep filling eyes WhatsApps uh, buried deep <laughs> in that one. Uh, but instead, we should talk about the midfielders that have been having themselves a moment. It's, it's very obviously been the weak spot in the team. Um you guys might have heard me mention it once or twice in the recent past. Never. But today, Dan, a Croatian and an Englishman walked onto a pitch. Oh, see, I thought you were going to bypass it and not read the no. fun little sub-headline that I gave you. But look, you know, Pretty I think... good at reading the script. I know, actually, maybe to a fault. Uh, look, uh, Kovacic, I'm just going to read the high-level stats and then espouse more praise, but 86% pass accuracy, 56 touches, four to five ground duels, four to five long balls completed, one key pass, one tackle, one, one shot, one goal, and he kept the kit on after the match. Ooh. Another solid performance in the midfield from Statman Dave. Just a, a really nice, resounding effort from Kovacic today. And doing it, as we all know, with a knee that they have thought about, maybe does he need some type of surgery? Maybe is it something, again, that is just going to be managed, monitored, measured? This is the type of thing that maybe that first season that he was here on loan, Nick, that we kind of like, ah, you know, Kovacic, yes, it feels like a little bit of a luxury to get him in here. But how he's become the best of that midfield three of Conte, Jorginho, and himself has now, I mean, I think we talked about like 1A, 1B, and I think he's very clearly now just one. Yeah, I mean, you got to be got to be able to play to to participate in that in that contest, and unfortunately, Angola is not going to be able to for the better part of like four or five months this year. So, uh, pretty easy determination there for me. Um, uh, he's gotten it out. I mean, it's just a massive amount of credit and praise to him uh, for for what he's doing. It's it's clearly not something that is going to resolve itself this season. Like he's going to go play with Croatia at the world cup. Then he's going to come back and we're going to have some really high profile matches. Like because we have not done the right thing and fortified our midfield over the last three years, uh, it puts us in really bad positions. Um, and, and we as a club, not we as a podcast, we as a podcast do not have the resources to fortify the midfield just as a, a quick note, we're making tens of dollars on the show and uh, he costs significantly more than that. So uh, we're 
we're in a really tough spot now. So it's um, a GoFundMe for Chelsea's midfield. Yeah, Let's yeah, go. A please. reverse GoFundMe? I don't know, man. I, I but I mean, this is this is the problem. It's like when he's not in there, it's noticeable. Then when he goes in there, it's noticeable. And then when he comes out, it's noticeable. And like it, it's all a credit to him. But you just wonder how sustainable this is too. Like. I mean, God forbid he goes out for an extended period of time or Jorginho goes out for an extended period of time. And you, you, you have to panic by in January then, right? And, I, you know, the, the guy is playing at an elite level with a bum knee. It's, it's absolutely insane. I, I, I give him a massive amount of credit. I think the load management is going to be a thing with him through the end of the year now too. Which is not obviously uh, a position that any Chelsea fan wants to be in. Another player, a crucial player, uh, hanging on by... Uh, weekly fitness test. That, yeah. that is a terrible situation. You know, I wonder how much the lineup helped him. I mean, what an attacking lineup overall, by the way. You had three <laughs> defenders on the field. <laughs> I mean, it, it's But the, the lineup is a product of all of the injuries and all of the matches in succession. I mean, like, it, it is absolutely nuts that you would have Christian Pulisic and Raheem, Raheem Sterling as your wingbacks. And I say wingbacks. There, there was a moderate amount of defending happening today, but Kukurea and Chalba really put in their put in their paces. So it's like, uh, you know, you you look at this and it's like you kind of just have to go with the best warm body. Like you've played Ruben for three matches in a row, you got to give him a little spell, right? Uh, Mason Mount has, has played in every single match this year and played at the last ten minutes of this one. Uh, Chilwell clearly not every match fit yet. And as Pilquita can't play every match as your right wing back, it's so much running. And, it, you know, you kind of just have to go, look, guys, this isn't the way I draw it up for a perfect lineup, but we're all going to have to make sacrifices today. And to their credit, I think, you know, Sterling and Pulisic did as good of a job at wing back as you could expect, you know, in a, in a European tie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, without a doubt, I get, uh, you know, it's just, Seeing him uh, next to Jorginho sometimes, you know, scares people, uh, but a little bit different. They had Connor in front of him, but I felt like, you know, Connor's energy and pace helped create some space for Kovacic as well. It, mm -hmm. And it's just having that third player that the defense has to worry about. They can't just press high on those two because Connor will split them and then he can break the press easily. Uh, so I definitely think that he was um, uh, a recipient of that. And, and, Part of that, again, an, another one of the the predictions um, that didn't come true for me, one of only a few, was that Connor Gallagher started. <laughs> one of only a few. <laughs> I, I nearly got it except for those 50% that were wrong. Look. Ah, those rascals. Condog. Condog's here. He uh, got to start. Uh, I, look, Nick, I'd say it's a bit of a brave um, play on Potter's part. Again, you knowing that you need to, to, to rotate without a doubt. Uh, knowing that he was going to play Kovacic, bit of a bum knee, Jorginho, not, you know, the most box-to-box -box player. Uh, he probably was thinking Connor's going to go in there. He's going to run everywhere we possibly need. He's going to create havoc, and he's going to go support Aubameyang and Havertz up top. And it, to his credit, that's literally what he did today. Oh, he was fantastic. And I mean, he got a caution for trying to score a screamer after the whistle. Yeah, and, and, and like that comes you know, with a little bit more maturity. I think that the yellow card was was a little unnecessary. Um, but I mean, for me, this wasn't a perfect match from Connor. I wouldn't say that you know this was 
my favorite of his performances, but he did a dirty job. He he committed to being an absolute nuisance, Dan, in uh, defense. He committed to being an absolute nuisance in the press. calling Dan an absolute nuisance? Dan is a nuisance <laughs> as well, so Dan would know. Game recognized game on that front. Yeah. But, um, but, but what he really, I think, con- contributed to in my favorite move of the game was in transition. I think he was really good when, when they lost the ball, which was when you only have 50% of it pretty fucking frequently. Um, when we sprung into attack, you saw the magic of Connor Gallagher work because he started connecting with people. He started making dummy runs uh, so other people could get open. It was it was a really smart performance. And the thing that sticks out to me about this is that people do not understand how, like, he was gassed at the end of this, right? He's a little sick coming off. People don't understand how fit Mason Mount is to do this week in, week out. Like, it is absolutely nuts that you watch, like, Connor and he's sweating, he has the hair going, you know, whatever, and then it's like, oh, but Mason does it. It's like, oh, that's what we just expect now. So both of them uh, unique in the way that they attack this 10 roll, but I, I appreciated his grit today. Yeah, the grit was fantastic. His ability to be a disruptor as much of a creator because I think when you look at the pass accuracy for Salzburg, you know, some of that is down to what Kovacic did, what, what Jorginho did at times and what Gallagher did to really make it uncomfortable and to quickly move the ball back around. And I think we saw in the first, and this is the thing, right? It takes us like a few minutes to prime the engines of this Chelsea side, particularly when you have a lineup that has been, so adjusted from people playing in standard roles, but once they figure out, okay, this is where individual a is going to be. So my pass is going to be open there. I'm going to have my other route, my option B over here. It started to click. And that's when I think for maybe 15th minute onward, I didn't feel too concerned that Chelsea weren't going to be able to figure out a way to get this done. It was more, can we start scoring one of the chances that this team is creating in turnover because this Salzburg team needed to, I mean, they needed to take a win to stay relevant in the competition. And so you benefited, I think, a little bit from the fact that they did want to play a little more open and that gave Chelsea an opportunity to to attack. I mean, do you, do you want to run through the stats by by numbers again? or I, I can if you want. Would you like me to? I can you read did such a great job numbers. last time. Like Connor Gallagher's game by numbers versus RB Salzburg, 86% pass accuracy. Why do you go into your announcer voice when you do this? <laughs> Look, uh, Connor that? Gallagher had 64 touches. He had Let seven it... ground duels, one, four out of five crosses what completed, three key passes, three out of three long balls completed, <laughs> two to three dribbles completed, oh, one man. big chance created. Brilliant tonight. All right. Well, that was sure something. Uh, Back to you, Brandon. <laughs> Those numbers equal brilliant tonight, and that's all you need to know. Which, uh, again, a young player continuing to develop uh, is what you want to see. I can't remember, Dan, if it's your social media or the pod account that said something about you know Chelsea fans maybe not not warming up to Connors quickly, especially with his it's early season struggles. Employee, Sean. Okay, um, you know he's essentially an extension of you, so I'm just. Uh, but no, from the pod account, and I think that that is something that we've really seen turn quickly for me and and again i don't know maybe i'm just like a traditionalist or whatever but seeing a player like connor in the pre-match starting 11 squad photo like those are the things that he's gonna frame and keep you know and it's like it's so cool because 
again, he's being trusted with important minutes. I mean, this game was very important to Chelsea. And, like, we benefited from Milan winning, so we locked up the top of the group. Um, but Connor is – he has to feel like he's a part of this. Like, he, he – like, tangibly is a part of the fabric of whatever happens this season. You know, like, when your mom, like, made the quilt at the end of your high school career of all, like, the shirts and stuff, Nick, like, Connor's going to have a patch. All right. Well, you, it's, you took a really good point and made it weird there at the end. So that's that's nice. Uh, shout out to Mama Busby, of course. But uh, look, he's playing consequential matches right now. Th- right now, this this match, you could argue of our whole season up to this point has been our most consequential match to get this over the line, to finish first in the group, to guarantee you that we're not playing fucking Thursday matches uh, into January and beyond is fantastic. I mean, this was a really, really important win. Now, of course, we could have gone through in the next match or whatever, still been top of the group, whatever. But you can basically shred out the U19 teams against Zagreb, and it doesn't matter. There are no consequences to that match now, right? Uh, So, I I mean, and he's... He scored a really important winner already in his Chelsea career, right? Against against Palace. And I don't know, man. I, I think I think if people went back and watched, and I'm not comparing these players, I'm comparing the starts to their career. If you went back and watched Eden Hazard's first 10 games for Chelsea, I don't think he lit the world on fire. I think he was pretty good and sometimes showed flashes of brilliance, right? Like it was really, you know, you could see what was gonna happen there. But not every player just comes to Chelsea, rocks up, and Diego Costa's it and scores four goals in their first four games. I mean, this is going to be a really, really good and useful player for Chelsea Football Club. And who knows? You might see him playing in the central midfield very soon because we're we're just so damn thin. You know, it's it's terrible. I mean, do you just have that stat in your pocket? I I think that's what it is. I'm, pretty I'm sure just impressed. Like, I didn't know. I knew he had a good start, but I didn't know it was four and four or whatever it was. I'm just... I think it was. No, oh, good. I'm just, I'm impressed that you just hold on to that, you know, to deploy as needed. Um, so we also had uh, a bit of a redemption arc story starting to build. I don't want to say it's completed. I don't say we're around the bend yet. Um, but some players got back in a groove, mainly Kai. I think uh, Kai has been a player who we've, Look, it's been a it's been a roller coaster, Dan. Uh obviously peaked in the Champions League final scoring the game winner. Shout out to us. We were there. Um <laughs> shout out to us. <laughs> we were there. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, this, it's one of the best moments of life. Like, I'm not gonna off, just gloss over it. It's off the tracks tonight. <laughs> you got Dan doing his announcer voice. You got you shouting out to the at every turn. here, Nick. And it's uh, really crazy and off the rails. But we want to talk about Jesus. Kai Havertz. Look, the fact that I he don't had get game enough. Today. Oh my god. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, um, but Kai got back in it. That that goal he hit today. By the way, both of Chelsea's goals came outside the box, even though Aubameyang had 12 touches inside the box and somehow didn't score. Um, but Kai and Champions League goals, hand-in-hand, hand, dapping themselves up. Uh, and according to Statman Dave, that Kai Havertz now has scored five Champions League goals. He scored in each of the last three Champions League campaigns. It was an absolutely beautiful goal. Uh, Dan, piece of art. Um, he looked good today, uh, looked lively. Uh, probably could have had a second 
Um, it's just the inconsistency, right, from Kai. He just showed again tonight the absolute class that he's he's got in him. Can can I just say really quick, not to not to toot my own horn as well. Uh, Diego Costa, eight eighteen fourteen against Burnley, one goal. Uh, eight twenty three fourteen Leicester, one goal. Eight thirty fourteen Everton, two goals. Eight or nine thirteen or nine thirteen fourteen right two thousand fourteen, uh, three goals against Swansea. The man had legitimately seven goals in his first four Premier League games. Well, Nick, I'm glad we took that moment to update the stats while uh, talking about a former player instead of the resurgence of a current player, Kai Havertz. That was even right. <laughs> I scored his first four games. What are you talking about? It wasn't right. Four and he four. Said, I think he said four and four, but that's okay. Oh, did I? Damn it. <laughs> ah, so mind. as we kind of go back to Kai Havertz, though, there was the initial run in the first few minutes uh, against the goalkeeper where, you know, could have potentially, you know, could that have been an opportunity to to do something a little bit differently? But the the shot was great. His on the ball and off the ball moments were really good in this match too, Nick, in terms of just how he was staying involved, how he's continuing to connect and move the ball. I, I don't think, I think what we've seen a little bit this season is sometimes he has been a little more passive in his challenges. And I felt like tonight he stood up a little bit more, didn't get knocked off the ball as easily, uh, particularly against a side that as the match grew into its full back and forthness, maybe we would call it, that uh, there was definitely a little bit of uh, the, the shithousery kind of evolved. That and Back and forthness? My goodness. Sorry. Uh, yeah, he uh, he got stuck in at the end, which was good. I mean, he does have that weird streak to him where you think he's on the edge of a yellow card for, like, long stretches of the game. You know, he'll, he'll knock the ball out of a player's hand or he'll come in really late with an extra shoulder challenge or, you know, do something dumb, you know, talk shit to the referee, whatever. Knock the ball a little further out of way, stand yeah. in front of the guy who's he, trying to run quickly to get out of bounds. Very much the antagonist uh, <laughs> uh, role. But, yeah, I mean, look, first of all, you got to credit the goal. It's an excellent goal. It makes you wonder why he doesn't shoot from outside the box more often if he has that in his bag that was the first thing that crept into my head like why are you not just like chilling out there and taking pops at goal like that was that was as good as you could hit a football into the goal it hit the underside of the bar it's unsavable <laughs> like that there the goalkeeper stood there and watched it a goalkeeper who saved nine shots on the day right nine of eleven yeah, uh, according to UEFA, it was, I actually just looked, eight saves. Eight saves, okay. But, like, this goalkeeper had a fucking phenomenal day out, right? And you had to hit two really good goals to get past him. This was a great goal. Kovacic had a great goal, right? Like, this is what you need to see from a player who's supposed to be at that level. And I... I credit him for taking the opportunity, taking the chance today. Um, and now now I want to see more of it. Now I think everybody who who saw that goal goes in and you're like, where, where has this been? Like, who is this animal that can shoot from outside of the box? And also a credit to Pulisic with the assist. I mean, that was a hard outside the right foot pass to get him into position too. I mean, that was an underrated part of that whole move, but... Um, let's not give credit to Christian Pulisic on the show, please. It, well, it was like two rows down. 
I, I had it right there. Oh, sorry. Hold, hold several players out of position to make space for Havers. Uh, well, you put it in like size four font. All right. I, sorry I, I that do I didn't follow Dan's. Really script. sure that's size 11, but okay. I do. Let's not talk about the size, guys. Let's just stick to the script here. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jeez. Naz, a, who I love with an absolute throwaway stat here. That was Kai Havertz's first goal from outside the box. <laughs> that really has no impact. Now, if he had 47 goals for Chelsea, I might be a little bit more surprised. But like right now, we just want to see Naz that Kai is on the score sheet. Like we don't need to parse it at all. There's not enough. But I mean, the other thing about playing him in the Champions League, though, and like why I think he's a a really useful asset this season is that there is more room in behind in a Champions League game than there typically is when you play uh, in the Premier League. Like, that defense for Salzburg is actually pretty good by, by, you know, by standards. Like, I think they haven't let more than two goals in, like, two or three games this season. So, I mean, this is not even, like, a really bad European defense. We've seen some pretty bad ones out there. But, like, even by their standards, it was wide open. Like, we had some counterattacking moves that there was just acres of space to run into. And I think that's where he thrives, Dan. Like, this isn't, you know, an opportunity as we head into the round of 16. Um, and, again, not playing in on Thursday nights in the Europa League, which uh, deserves its own champagne pop at this point uh, after all the shit that we've been through. Um, but I think it's a real asset. And like, if he can go play as a part of a two up front with Aubameyang or with Broya, or if he can go play as a standalone and just help lead counters, or if he can play as a 10 and sit in behind a little bit, like there's a, a real useful player there. Well, there are players who are playing for European clubs right now who are about to be bounced out of the champions league, you know, players like Rafinha or Jules Kunde who are going to be looking at and potentially wishing they had the opportunity to combine with someone like Kai Havertz in the champions league round of 16 matches. Dan, did you go out of your way to slate a couple players who uh, decided that Barcelona Look, was I'm a better taking, location? I'm just taking inspiration from Kai Havertz. You know, it's the slight little uh, shoulder check that uh, maybe you didn't need. Maybe you did. Who knows? <laughs> I think, uh, and potentially those players will be back on the market for a very low fee very soon uh, with Barcelona's financial situation. So let's watch that space. Uh, Kukurea, uh talking about uh, someone who mm. has been subbed early a couple times, uh, has also had to overcome illness and tossed right back in the lineup. Uh, I think, I look, I don't know what weight system they're using in England. I think it was like he lost five pounds or something whatever mm. unit of measurement he doesn't have five to give like he is a six percent or less body fat guy uh for him to lose five pounds is really going to weaken him more than probably the average person and i think there was a little bit part of it you know it wasn't working against united but i think at the same time I think Potter was happy to be able to bring him off and just give him more rest and it, it must have worked because he was shot out of the proverbial cannon today. Uh, won 100% of his ground duels. Uh, he was four for four. Uh, he was 100% of his aerial duels, albeit just one for one. He was three for three on tackles, and he was one for one in successful take-ons. So he did a little bit of everything. He's a rock back there as the left center back. Yeah, in front of... And or, then, yeah, he was, next to Silva. 
Yeah, he was behind Raheem Sterling, left wing back, which apparently they are better partners than... Sh- no, no, I'm just going to chalk that up to competition. Um, but again, I mean, it, it, it's someone who's still finding his feet at Chelsea, uh, still um, getting used to playing in big matches, getting used to playing every three days. And it was good to see him bounce back from, again, two early substitutions. He He did get beat. On the ball in for the goal has to be said. Um, just you know, calling that out because it, it is what it is. But uh, I, I think he looks best to me as like a traditional left back. Like when we got into the four at the end of the game, he looked like imperious. Like he had license to move forward a little bit. He looked just more comfortable in the space to me. I think he still looks a little off as a three, but I mean, that game was so stretched, Dan, it, it, it like the first half was just chaos basically uh, that you, you look at a guy like that and you're like, man, like that, that probably has to be difficult to cover that much ground, especially when Tiago Silva is not going to necessarily be the most active uh, runner in behind uh, for, for that. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of room for him to grow, but it was nice to him bounce back and play, play a full match. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, great to see the way that he was capable of coming back in. Uh, five kilograms, or would be the uh, five kilos, would be the the way to think about it. Uh, Brandon Busby, so eleven pounds is the uh, the total weight loss over Oof. the illness time frame. But Goddamn. this, with the amount of work that having Pulisic and Sterling put on Trev Chalaba and on Kukrea in this match. That was a very strong, I would say, overall return to form, even if, to your point, Nick, there were maybe one or two moments that were not great, but that's just the the way a total game is. You try to manage out as many of the individual mistakes as possible through team brilliance, and this was an example of one moment where it didn't go that way, but in general, this was what you were hoping that he's able to provide, which is an opportunity for someone like Chilwell to get rest in a game so that he can be ready for our next Premier League match. Cause again, we got three of those. We have three of those against, and two of those teams are individual teams that would challenge us for a top four plus challenge at the moment. So this was good, man. Yeah. I mean, shit, we got the Potter Derby coming up. We can't play Kukure in that one. No way. It's too soon. He's not emotionally I ready. I don't think there's any rules against against that one necessarily no it's eq managing it's you know potter's thing he's got a masters uh did we talk about pulisic you know the uh the bad boy from hershey just look nick i i, I know rod. you don't want to praise you don't want to praise pulisic on this podcast you know just can't believe that you would uh you know you would allow us to talk about him uh you've really been down on him uh but look i just want to make sure that we had a space here to talk about how you know how he was able to play today, how he contributed, how he's able to take players out of position, make space for others. Really selfless work on the wings. And uh, look, I put that in a size 11 font. So uh, very big uh, you know, announcement of just what he contributed to this game. What is his expected pulled players out of position? Yeah, Dan. <laughs> a lot. He, he's magnetic. He pulls people out of position. Uh, like I said before, the assist was very good. Uh, more difficult pass than it looked. Apparently, Terry Henry was shit talking him on it, saying it that Kai did all the work, not Christian. I, I think Terry Henry is incredibly smart. I don't know how you could look at that play and all the space that Kai had to shoot and go, "Well, he did that himself." That seems really odd. Must have been the jet lag from being in New York City or the smog. 
Yeah. I, okay. Well, whatever. I, I don't think that's accurate personally, but, um, you know, Tyrion Reed knows more about football than I do. So maybe he knows something. Um, yeah, I, I think it's difficult, just like it would be difficult to judge Raheem on the wing. I think it's difficult to judge pool six performance on the wing, except to say when he did get forward, he did look like a spark and, I, I think the question for me is because Sterling has not played very well over the last handful of matches, does Pulisic start to see more time? Um, you know, especially as we kind of head into the the World Cup. And I think he's earned it. I mean, I you know, he, he got an assist today. Of course, it's it's an assist that it comes a little bit with a you know, screamer tag to it. Um, you know, the, the goal was excellent by Kai, but you know, he got an assist for Gallagher's, uh, screamer as well. Uh, he scored a good goal against wolves. Um, seemingly is more active in and around the box seems to be buzzing around. That's kind of what I would say about him right now is buzzing, creating different looks for the defense to try and cope with. Uh, he's not popping up in the same spots all the time. He looks pretty active in receiving the ball and passing it. So, yeah, I, I would like to see him against Brighton again, and I would like to see him in a more traditional, like, front three role, personally. Christian, he's he's definitely not in a bad position right now. And, uh, you know, I hate to name drop myself again. I was on the Chelsea FC and USA Twitter spaces oh earlier God, today. Oh, my God, he's insufferable. And uh, This guy. Oof. I did hope and I did urge and I did put the vibes out there that I hope Christian got an assist. I should go clip that and just put that one on too, guys. But I was thinking, honestly, he's as a wingback, he's not going to get into positions to score today, although him and Raheem were very much in and around the box today. Um, but I was like, I think his biggest asset is going to be the ability uh, to get in behind, to break lines and find the assist or maybe the shot creating action, you know, the thing that led to the 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 assist. And so for him to get it, again, I think that's about as big of a value as he could have provided from a very uncomfortable, unnatural wing back position. And so if, from my perspective, he did about as well as he possibly could have today. Um, there were a couple of moments where he forgot what position he was playing and ran all the way over to the left side of the field with the ball. And I was like, perhaps let's stick to in and around the right side of the field. Um, but yeah, overall, good performance. And and I do just with the last note here, want to shout out Trev Chalba again, who I, I don't think this was his best game either. Personally, um, I think he's he's played better, um, but he's been in every single match since uh, Fafana has gotten hurt and has looked the part and has contributed to wins. And there is now a has Trev, has Trev Chalba lost Twitter account uh, that is just posting. No, no, Love nah. it. It's it's like the how many days since Spurs have won a trophy <laughs> undefeated social media account right there. Yeah. So I, you know, just anytime I can shout out Trev Chalba, I want to. Understandable and well deserved. So we're going to take our last break. When we get back, uh, talking about patience with Potter being rewarded. Uh, a lot of questions around the patience piece. So thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back. I, again, Dan, why, why are we already talking patience? Is there a Potter out hashtag that I'm not aware of? I mean, what? Like, oh, yeah, just, totally. Just got there's, there. there's people who believe that, which is, look, it's your right to believe idiotic things. Uh, your your thoughts are not pleased, but boy, Slippery it's a dumb slope thought. here. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, it is a dumb thought, but 
I think in general, this, you know, the reactionary elements to, I think, some of the growth that we're seeing, as we talked about at the end of our last episode, when we were talking about the United match and the fact that, yeah, is it terrible to lose the, the win to transition the loss in the last few minutes? Yes. Is it great to not always be making chances and converting them? No, that's not great. But this is a evolutionary process and it doesn't just happen overnight that it should, should be as successful as you would hope it would be. Chelsea does not have an ordained right to show up to a match, stroll out 11 players, kick the ball around for 90 minutes and walk away with a win. That's just not how the game works. And so I think for someone who came in, had one, one game and then had a bunch of time off, to not really get to train with any of the kind of regular compliment he would have not have some of our best players available to, to injury fitness issues or others like this to me is a fantastic start to a managerial campaign at Chelsea. And I just completely Nick reject this idea that Graham Potter has not done anything other than execute and deliver really, really strong performances for Chelsea and from a team and I think he's elevated the level at this moment for this side. Yeah, I mean, I the the minute he was appointed, like the let's go back. We as a fan base have, and and this is all of us, you know, with varying degrees within, right? We have gotten so used to chopping and changing managers over the last twenty years that the minute a new one comes in, you're almost in your head readying yourself for the next new one. You're almost pre-scouting the next manager at Chelsea because you know, for better or for worse, that when the players, you know, by and large, aren't playing well enough and we aren't winning enough and the trophies aren't coming in, that, you know, historically, a change will be made. Like, it's kind of baked into your cake. We're starting a new era at Chelsea now. We have new ownership. They have a new perspective. They're hiring different kinds of people. And Graham Potter is a completely different kind of manager to what has come before him. Sure, some of the formations look similar. Sure, you know, personnel is carried over between a couple of these managers. But he's a different style of manager to even Thomas Tuchel or Frank Lampard or any of these other guys, right? And so I... I am so confused as to how anyone can be looking at Graham Potter and, and even, even when he doesn't get the lineup right, you know, initially against United going, well, we got to get him out. Now the dude hasn't lost. He hasn't lost. I mean, like if, if a manager is truly judged on wins and losses, sign him up for another five years. He hasn't lost a fucking match yet. And you could argue Ingolo Conte is our most talented footballer. He's our best footballer. He's, when healthy, the best midfielder in the world for my money. May not be everyone's. He's mine. You're missing Reese James, who's our second most talented footballer. <laughs> Reese James is the best right back in the world when he's healthy. Boy, I wonder if those two key components of your defense and your midfield are going to be something you'd miss during this period. You're missing Wesley Fofana, who signed for a huge amount to play right center back this season. In a three, a formation that Potter is really familiar with. 
and so on and so on and so on. And you have Kovacic banged up. Jorginho a little banged up. Like Ruben giving you life with the extra minute. Like this is, he has done as good of a job at this point that any of us could have expected. And I would argue sitting on top of the table today, secure for the first pot in the next draw of the Champions League next Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever that is, that he's done way better in the Champions League than I thought we would do. You know, the, the best projections when we had one point a month and a half ago were that, boy, I wonder if we can squeeze out the second spot. We're first. We ran away with it in three matches, completely turned it around. It, the recipe, uh, I was talking with Ollie about this, right? Um, the more you win, actually, the better it is. We just weren't doing that in the beginning. See, now I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, we okay. all made that it's mistake. All, it's clicking we, It's clicking up, up, up top now. We yeah. all made that mistake the first two matches. Like, I, I, What am I missing here? You're not. I, I think it's crazy that, like... I, I just think that this is a praise section. We're not acknowledging that like he needs time and, and betting in like that. Those are all just common sense things. Um, it, it's just a matter of just reminding ourselves kind of where we're at and we're still in a building process. And the fact that he's able to turn a ship around so quickly, we might be taking for granted when realistically we should be having a hell of a lot of patience for whatever comes with Graham be, because like our, our expected points per match, I mean, it was plummeting and we all remember how bad the first four or five games of the season were it, it just Terrible. no one was clicking no one was connected there was no chemistry it just it looked like 11 individuals out there and we're gonna lose at some point like that that is another reality like Graham potter will not uh look i, I would love to say Graham potter is never gonna lose as a chelsea manager uh, that however uh if he serves his full five years and more uh that will happen over that time frame I'm not saying it's going to happen soon, but maybe it'll happen. And in that scenario, like you just have to realize that like, this is a great start. You know, I think the, um, the stat here from Opta Joe, which I really like when a stat has to go back to the, the 1900s, but not like the way that people are talking about now where the 1900s means like 1990 on social media. Um, but the 1906 and 1907 years when I grew uh, up in the 1900s, I'll say it. (laughs) Uh, Graham Potter is the second Englishman to go undefeated in his first nine games as Chelsea manager in all competitions after William Lewis in 1906, 1907 spellbound. Oh yeah. And I think, I think we all remember those days. <laughs> oh, we all remember I, those matches. Do you remember Lewis. the excitement, uh, with the uh, fatty folk and goal and, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, look, uh, I, I think that Graham Potter has come to Chelsea in the most, or maybe the second most, maybe Tuchel at the end of last year when all the sanctions were happening and stuff. But like one of the most difficult times that you could have ever come to Chelsea. Middle of the season, new owners, World Cup coming up in two months. Best of luck, man. Go go get us into the next round of the European competition. And he did. And he did. And it's a, it's a phenomenal feat. You, you routed Milan. You absolutely routed him in two games. And then you beat a really difficult Salzburg team who came out and, and was ready to, to do battle today. And now you get to play whoever the fuck you want against Zagreb, and it doesn't matter. Uh, a luxury that we could have never thought four weeks ago. I mean, it's a phenomenal job that he's done. And I know that the United match irked us all. 
in the way that it, it went down. I know it wasn't phenomenal to watch, and maybe the last couple of matches haven't been great. I've had a lot more fun watching this team since Graham Potter came. I think it's a little bit more dynamic. I think it's a little bit more risk-taking, and I like it. I don't know. So, obviously, as as we mentioned right there, um, Zagreb is now, Dinamo Zagreb is now a formality, right? We just have to play the 90 minutes per UEFA's rules. It means nothing. Uh, how much rotation are we going to see? Probably a lot. Uh, I, I pinged Phil to say how many, how many kids <laughs> do you think we're going to see in the squad based on your knowledge and, and everything that we have going on? What do you think it's going to be like? It's next Wednesday, the 2nd of November. So it's not like it's in the far distant future. We are playing Brighton at the weekend and then you have league leaders, Arsenal at home the following weekend. So as far as I'm concerned, anyone that you think you want for Arsenal, followed by City midweek in the EFL Cup, is not featuring. Like you, There's nothing to gain by this. My only question is, we don't really know Potter well enough. Is he really going to field a, an under-21s? I mean, we've seen Klopp do it when they literally had like two games in two days. This isn't that extreme, but like, why risk anything? I mean, I, I think he earned it. Only like, yeah, the only real question I have is if he keeps Keppa on the heater, which I have questions about, or if he lets Mendy play and he lets Mendy play against City in the EFL Cup too, because I think that that's like the one position where I'm like, or is it, or is it Bet Nelly time? <laughs> I mean, like, it'd be difficult to see Bettinelli if you're not going to play Mendy, but, like... That'd be tough for yeah, Mendy. That'd be... It'd be real tough. That'd be real tough. But, like, I think I think that's, like, the major conversation. The The rest of it, I trot the fucking U19s out there and, and just write the check and go home. Like, we're good. Like, give those guys their debuts. Mix in a little bit of experience when you can, but, like... Not not when you have Arsenal at the weekend. No. Well, and it's and it's at home. So it's not like you have to travel a lot of these kids, no. you know? Um, like it's very easy. You you get a coach, you take it to Cobham, and you shuttle them on down to, to Stanford Bridge. And it's that easy, Dan. Well, so I, and the thing to keep in mind is Milan, and maybe this kind of you know goes a little bit further down the line in our our thought process here but milan doesn't need a win right but they need a minimum a draw because they're on seven points salzburg is on six points salzburg if they win they would go in as the second in this group with nine points zagreb would potentially then in that scenario does not advance uh if they beat us they would still be uh behind on head-to-head and goal difference uh as any type of tiebreakers. And then if Milan were to win, no issue there. So, I mean, look, really, Salzburg is playing to try to win. Milan would like a draw. We'd be okay with a draw or a loss. Draw would be nice, though. A win would be fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it, I don't know. I, f- I feel good. This is this is great. We are guaranteed first spot. We're guaranteed I know, it's awesome. spot one. It's like... That's it, a good feeling. Yeah. But like, all right. So looking at our Champions League squad, right? Obviously, you can't play your U19s. Yeah, you we are restricted. I'm, I am, I'm being a little fishy, facetious when I say that. But like, no. guess who's a part of our our Champions League squad? 
Zakaria. I bet money you see Zakaria next Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the fuck it is. Carney Chukwameka. Congratulations on starting your first Champions League match. That's going to be good. Charlie Webster. Come on down to, to the Champions League uh-huh. town. Lewis Hall, who, by the way, was very good last year as, as a left center back against Chesterfield. Been playing a lot of center that. mid this season, too. Yep, that could be really interesting. Armando Broya. Boy, it'd be really terrible to see him start and bully those folks up front. Hakim Ziyech. Yeah, this is a Ziyech Got to put him in sure. the shop window there. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you know, look, I, I mean... It, the defense is a little, a little more thin and less youthful, I would say. But, like, yeah, you probably see Mendy. You probably see Trevo again, unfortunately, or fortunately for him. Uh, you know, I probably either Chilwell or Kukurea. Don't know. Don't know what format they're going to roll out. But, like, yeah, there's there's a lot of good minutes in there. Conagher Gallagher, come on down, my guy. Conagher Gallagher. When he plays good, it's Conagher Gallagher. That's Dan's moniker for him. So, <laughs> and and we'll say it just so we can say we said it. Uh, but we're gonna move quickly on to Dan in the match uh, at Chelsea FC in USA. Tweeted: Graham Potter becomes the first Chelsea manager to go unbeaten in his opening four Champions League games since one Robbie Di Matteo in 2012. Oh. Uh, that story writes itself. We interviewed him. If you want to oh. hear that. Go go look it up. Go look up London is Blue uh, and Robbie Di Matteo. It'll pop up. So, anyways, Dan, uh, man of the match here. You said one of Chelsea's best performances under Graham Potter, but who wins your vote for Dan of the match? How did it go for you? I see another cop out with an I'm other. shocked. I am an shocked upset. by the end result here. I an upset. cannot wow. believe this. The people in their infinite wisdom. 40% to Trev Chalba, 37% to Mateo Kovacic, which I that would have been my choice there. I Connor Gallagher with 18%. Yeah. I also think Kai probably would have been the fourth one if not for a uh, an other. You didn't put Kai in there? No. My goodness. What kind of strict regulations are you running on this thing? Like the other is just kind of not my favorite is it, um, is it cop out to you it's a cop be, out, well right? because like you're gonna get others already like if people don't like yeah. your four they're gonna reply with what they wanted <laughs> and they did yeah and they did so yeah no kai deserved to be on there for crazy sure. trouble wins that that shocks me yeah look he was he was good though he was good again you gotta score goals to to get the awards he is our second best center back on the team after tiago silva uh, it's factually true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else Look, to say. Who, who would be above him? And on some days, could you well, argue that well, he's almost as close? Like, it's right, a close. Well, right, now, right now, the only other center back option healthy that we have is Aspie. So by default, yes, Trevo is right behind Silva because his other center back is really a left wing back. So but, if everyone's I mean, healthy, though, that's a different discussion for a different TikTok. Trevo's played better than both Fafana when he was healthy, limited, and uh, and Koulibaly. So, early days. Uh, a couple of the other results from around the Champions League group stages here. Uh, obviously, we played Tuesday, so there'll be more matches tomorrow, uh, like Leverlona is playing. Um, so, Chelsea beat Salzburg. What? Uh, Sevilla 3-0 over Copenhagen. Uh, Zagreb getting pummeled by Milan 4-0. Uh, Celtic, Donetsk 1-1. Uh, Leipzig 3, Real Madrid 2. 
apparently powered Timo, by future Chelsea players. <laughs> apparently, Timo Werner scored. Uh, Dortmund and oh, City good, was nil nil. PSG seven. Uh, Maccabi Haifa two. Did you mean to call them PSG? Uh, I think I was going to say Paris, but I don't know. PSG uh, works too. Paris SG. Uh, Benfica four. Juventus three. Juventus uh, just done. Dumped out. Oof. Dumped out. Adios. Weston McKinney coming to a Premier League midfield near you, most likely. Probably Leeds. Let's be honest. Uh, again, we've locked up Group E. Uh, Dan is back with the probability heat maps. Hit this quick because we got to get out. Well, look, the, 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 yeah, this thing to just keep in Ask mind. Ask him to hit it quick. He immediately stumbles. Long pauses. <laughs> can't even say a word. <laughs> Here's a preamble before I get into my nine-page bullet-pointed list. Well, I, I actually thought it was more. I, I didn't want to go all Again. the way down to, like, the finals. <laughs> I just wanted to highlight the fact that there are some teams in here that are on the cusp of not qualifying that you would expect to advance. Like, Atletico oh, Madrid. This list I capped doesn't even have Barcelona. They have like a sub 7% probability of qualifying for the round of 16 at this moment. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Chaos of the Champions League. I love it. Yeah. Can I just huge shout out to Club Bruges who are currently uh, in fourth place. <laughs> it's an incredible, incredible moment Again, for them. Probabilities from zero dark 30 or whatever the hell they're called. <laughs> <laughs> it's 538 good thank good you job, all right benfica in the lead somehow uh with the with uh a, a chance to go through but they only have a two percent chance to win the final uh man city have a 24 percent Bayern have a 23 percent which has literally been them the last three or four seasons uh that's strikerless Bayern to all of you listening uh psg with a 13 percent <laughs> chance which we know is hilariously over correcting like that should be seven and a half on a good day um but we're through which is all we want to see we are one of the check marks in the made it to around 16 boxes there's only what a couple spots left i mean i, I there's only going to be a little bit of movement in the final day yeah i mean, yeah, I mean liverpool hasn't haven't qualified yet it's it's Ooh. weird because they on a points total they have nine points and so it really would be more about the pro i think the probability is if they if they were to end with 12 points, but I think Napoli beat them. So Napoli would finish first in the group. Yeah. So that shouldn't be an issue. It's a mess. Um, but like, Hey, Hey Nick, Hey Nick, who's playing the best football in the world right now? Napoli. Yo, I looked at, Never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Different pod, different time. Anyways, Look, Brandon can't be distracted by little dangling objects like Napoli conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, we are a wrapped for this one. It's a midweek bedtime's approaching. Uh, we're out. Hope you enjoy this one. Uh, obviously good vibes FC rolls on, uh, wiping away the pain of the last two draws. Uh, but it's going to be a quick turnaround. Like we said, we got to play Brighton at the weekend. Uh, it's going to be Saturday, 9am kickoff your classic 3pm UK kickoff, which will be good. A little Potter Derby, uh, see how that kicks off should be, um, I mean, fired up on both sides. So I expect it probably to be a four, four shootout or something crazy. So we'll see. Uh, more podcasts screams nil, nil to me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there are your predictions. Your two early predictions. Uh, anyways, more content on the feed, more YouTube videos, uh, on the channel, more TikToks as always, but we're out, uh, Chelsea fans. Let's see. We're out. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high. This was loose today. <laughs> 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 <laughs>